So thank you for answering the poll. It is those of you that are on video, it's great to see you. Well, I, I think we all miss the one-on-one -on -one contact and being with people. What's nice is Tamara and I are still doing consults. We're doing them by phone and we're also doing virtual video um, consults. It's not anywhere near as nice as sitting in a room together, but it's the next best thing. And you, it's nice because you do have that face-to-face, -face, which is so important. And we all miss that. And we're going to try to get things somewhat back to normal as quick as we can. Um, I want to thank you all for coming. And slowly, the store, right now we're doing parking lot pickup. We're um, being a personal shopper for you. If you want to see some of the products, we can even have a video call and be showing you labels and products if that's helpful. And everyone at the store, you know, the location is going to be a personal shopper. We'll be changing things around hopefully as soon as we can. So watch the newsletter because that's how you'll know what our phase two and phase three and phase four is. You can subscribe to the newsletter if you don't get it right on our website or if you call the store and give them your email, they'll put you on. And that's when you'll find out about future webinars and everything that's going on. Tamara tonight is gonna kick off or start off talking about immune system support, which on one hand is a little strange because summertime is when we eat all the fresh fruit, we're out at the beach, we're in the sun, and we're healthier, we're getting our vitamin D, and we don't even think about immune system. But things are a little different right now. We're all stressed on all different levels. And when you're stressed, the adrenals get stressed and that can affect your immune response. And what we need to do is almost treat the summer like we do in the middle of the winter when people are coughing and sneezing and we're worried about cold and flu. And so we need to be gently supporting our immune system now and probably through the summer, and then we're back into the fall again. I don't think anyone needs to be doing huge amounts of anything, but we need to be doing just a good background protocol and lifestyle to support the immune system. And somebody had written in to me, why are you talking immune system and allergies? Well, one, it's summer and allergies are a big issue. But if you have bad allergies, that's your immune system being overwhelmed and you're getting an over response. So I'm going to address that after Tamara's little talk, a short talk, because if you're stressed or your immune system's weak, your allergy symptoms will be worse. Or if your allergy symptoms are very, very bad, you're stressing out the body and the immune system. So they really go hand in hand. And with that, if you just give us a second, we will get Tamara rolling. All right. See, we practice this, so. We'll see if it works. It works. <laughs> okay. And I will present this. Yep, okay. you're up and running. All right, great. So, um, like Gary mentioned, uh, we want to keep supporting your immune system through phase two onto the next phases and phases of what's to come of our new normal, as they like to call it. Um, and I don't know if anyone, I can't see everyone, so 
but you can put your hand up. I don't know if anyone's been to a restaurant yet, or I saw on the news there was a line, and it almost looked like Black Friday of people rushing into a TJ Maxx when it opened um, at the TJ Maxx in Natick. So we are going back out into the world, but that doesn't mean that the virus is gone, and that doesn't mean that we're suddenly immune to it either. So here are some things that I think about when I think of immune health. And like Gary mentioned, you don't need to be doing every single one of these things. Maybe just seeing where you need to fill in some gaps or maybe something that your diet's missing, or maybe if something really calls your name, it might be a good product or a good thing to think about. All right, so here are some key nutrients for immune health. Um, so like Gary had mentioned, vitamin D is really important. Um, when we think of vitamin D in, the, in this area in the Northeast, during the wintertime, we really do not get a lot of vitamin D because our skin is covered and the sun's rays just aren't strong enough. And we want to be mindful of protecting our skin, but getting a little bit of morning sun before the sun gets too strong, it can be a good idea. Uh, maybe if you have a porch or a little outdoor area, getting a little bit of sun exposure in the mornings without sunscreen can be a good idea. Um, so not baking in the sun, um, like maybe someone tanning on the beach, um, but a little bit of morning sun can help to boost that vitamin D. Something that I do usually recommend is getting your vitamin D levels checked and seeing if you might need a supplement. Uh, our, your vitamin D can fall pretty quickly during the winter. So for some individuals, it is nice to take a supplement in addition to a little bit of sun. Um, so we usually recommend anywhere from about 1,000 IUs to maybe 5,000 or um, 10,000 if someone has been tested and is, is pretty low. Um, so that's why I put the little sun there. Um, the next one is zinc, and I put oysters and pumpkin seeds, and those are two foods that are a little bit high, or that are higher in zinc. If you like oysters, go for it. They are basically a little multivitamin in a shell, and I know not everyone likes them, but if you do like them, you know, it might be a good time to go to a nice outdoor restaurant and enjoy a little bit of oysters and get a little extra vitamins and minerals in. And then uh, we actually did get some questions in about vitamin C uh, previously. So I'll just talk a little bit more about the vitamin C. And so not only does vitamin C support your immune system, but it is also an antioxidant. It can counter oxidative stress. And something that is pretty cool is that they've actually started to use it in COVID patients intravenously. In, um, in some hospital ICUs. Um, so it can be taken on a ongoing basis before you have a diagnosis, but it is cool to see that some hospitals are using something so natural like vitamin C in some of the, these patients. So we recommend anywhere from about uh, 1,000 milligrams to 3,000 milligrams a day. We have lots of different options here. We have powders, we have capsules. A form that we often recommend is a buffered vitamin C. And so what that means is the vitamin C, which is usually pretty acidic, is bound to something. And that helps to make it a little bit less acidic and a little bit easier to digest. And we usually, if someone is taking a higher dose, we usually just recommend splitting it up throughout the day so you're not getting it all at once. 
and then I put some little like, fruits and veggies there because I think with vitamin C, we usually think of citrus fruits, but things like orange and clementine, oranges and clementines aren't in season right now. And actually things like strawberries, red peppers, kiwis, those all have a lot of vitamin C in them as well. And a lot of these, or especially strawberries are in season. So those can be a good thing to add to your breakfast or as a snack. All right, I will keep going. All right, so those are some of the basic immune nutrients, but there are a ton of other recommendations. So as I mentioned, I'll just say it again, there is no need to take every single one of these things mentioned. There are some products that incorporate a few different ones, but I thought these were particularly interesting and ones that I hadn't really thought of right away when I thought of a virus. So I thought I would just highlight these and maybe if some of these resonate with you or you already um, maybe are eating some of these without even knowing. Um, maybe not the medicinal mushrooms, but we do have a lot of people that love our Four Sigmatic coffees. I don't know if anyone has tried it, but we are the coffees use mushrooms like reishi, lion's mane, shiitake. These are mushrooms that are all really, really high in antioxidants and all help to support the immune system. And in other countries, there are lots of studies and they use them as part of treatment for immune disorders, which is really cool. Um, so you don't need to actually eat the mushrooms. We have it in powder form. We have it in capsule form in, like I mentioned, in coffee but sometimes you can find some shiitake or some funky mushrooms at maybe a farm stand. So that can be fun as well. Something like the baby portabellas that you find on a pizza are not the same. <laughs> All right, the next one is quercetin. And this is found in fruits and vegetables. And maybe, I don't know, Gary, maybe you'll be talking a little bit about it later because some people do uh, like to use it to help with their allergies as well. Um, but it can be taken as part of a regimen to support your immune system as well. Um, it can, or it acts as an antioxidant and also help, may help to decrease your viral load as well. Um, so get those fruits and veggies in definitely. The next one is curcumin. And I think a lot of people or a lot of our customers at the store maybe know about curcumin or maybe are taking it. Usually maybe we think of joint health or pain or inflammation. And it does help with all of those things. And it is an antioxidant and anti-inflammatory, which is also really important for this specific virus as well, because it does sort of latch on to some more uh, chronic inflammation in our bodies. So it does help in that way as well. And, you know, it, your dosage may vary if you're using it just for immune and COVID support, or maybe if you are also using it for joint or pain support, um, the, the dosage for you might vary a little bit. The next one is EGCG. And I don't know if I should try and pronounce this um, for what it stands for. Um, my pronunciation isn't always the best, but it is a compound found in green tea. So if you like green tea, about four cups of green tea a day, which might seem like a lot, but even getting you know one or two cups of green tea in will provide you with some of this compound. And it is a anti-inflammatory compound and it also helps 
or they're thinking that it can also help to slow the growth of viruses, which is really cool too. And we all know green tea has some really good benefits for, um, for you anyways. Sometimes I like to make a big pot of it and put it in the fridge so I have some nice refreshing cold green tea during the summer. That's also really healthy. The last one is NAC or N-acetylcysteine. So this is a amino acid that our body can make and it is really important for detoxification and as an antioxidant. And it helps to make something called glutathione. And there actually were some studies or, or some incidences, I should say, of patients with COVID taking glutathione and that really helping them. So this is something that can be taken on an ongoing basis that's not quite as strong or quite as powerful. Um, it can also act as um, an expectorant as well. Neons. All right. All right, and if you know me, you know I love gut health, so I could not go one lecture without talking about probiotics and gut health. But actually, two-thirds of our immune system is in our gut, and I'll show a little picture of that as well in the next few slides. But our bacteria and the health of our health and balance of our bacteria is so important because what it is really helping to do is inform our body of the state of our world. So it's telling our body either that things are good and it can be calm and have an appropriate calm immune response, or it's telling the body that we should be on high alert and attack. So we want to be on more of that calm and tolerating side so that it can react appropriately to real threats, but not be reacting to everything in the environment. The last thing that I also wanted to mention that I thought was interesting is the hygiene hypothesis and the amount that we are disinfecting and washing our hands and staying away from people and being sterile. And so we know that to have a good, healthy gut health, you know, touching dirt and being in contact with other people can help to maintain a good balance of our immune system. So it's interesting to see what might happen with people that are really becoming a lot more isolated. And I'll go over some lifestyle factors later at the end, but just keeping in mind too of how we can support our microbial diversity because all bacteria isn't bad. We do need some good bacteria. Um, so that could look like maybe going outside a little bit more, getting in nature, um, maybe buying um, some things at farms, things like that to get some of those good bacteria. Here is a little picture of our gut. And this would be like if we were looking through the middle of our gut of our um, small or large intestine and the squiggly lines are, are the barrier between the inside and the rest of our body. And so if we look at the top, we have lots of different bacteria. We have a nice, uh, nice thick mucus layer. Then we have that wavy barrier where some food and some nutrients, I guess I should say, can get through and then we have some immune cells at the bottom there. And so this is a nice, beautiful, healthy gut. There's lots of bacteria, they're all healthy, and only the broken down nutrients from our food are getting in. And we can see that our, the immune cells down there at the bottom, which would be in our bloodstream, are nice and happy. They're just kind of hanging out there just in case anything might come by, but they're just kind of surveying and um, looking from a distance. If we look on the next page, 
things get a little chaotic. So this is when we start to see some maybe microbial imbalance. We don't have enough good bacteria. Maybe we have some more dangerous bacteria. Maybe our gut health, or our gut lining isn't as strong. Maybe we were taking lots of antibiotics or lots of um, things like Tylenol and Advil. That kind of breaks down that layer. And you can see, so all these things, all this junk and material is starting to flow into where that immune system is at the very bottom. And it's starting to have more of a reaction and sort of that chronic inflammation that we see going on. And a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, so that would be things like arthritis, brain fog, um, maybe food sensitivities. We don't want that. So you want to support the gut with probiotics. Um, so I just put a few of our favorites here. One is specific for immune health. Another one is a really popular one here that um, is a soil-based probiotic. Another good option is fermented food. And we sell some here. And if there's a farm that you go to, they often make their own fermented food with their vegetables. And I can't say that I have attempted to make them yet, but I will one day. It's not too hard to make your own um, sauerkraut or fermented pickles or beets. Um, I always just recommend getting something that is found in the fridge because that means there will actually be some of those live cultures, those live bacteria, and you're getting some prebiotics or that fiber from vegetables at the same time to help to feed those healthy bacteria. So that will support your gut health so that you are looking more like that first picture I showed and not like the second and making sure your immune system is nice and calm. All right, and then since I'm a dietitian, I also, of course, have to talk about food and talk about an anti-inflammatory diet. And as I briefly mentioned before, when we think of uh, this specific virus and how it's acting on chronic inflammation and long-term inflammation, which Americans are sadly known for, partly because of our diet, you know, when we think of the standard American diet or the SAD diet, it's, it is sad because it is pretty high in processed foods. And I typed in, I was trying to look for pictures, and I typed in processed foods, and this picture on the bottom came up. And I couldn't even tell what it is, and I thought that was pretty, um, I don't know, it was a good representation because, you know, sometimes you buy these packaged foods and it just looks nothing like actual food and you know, if you even can't really identify what this food is, your body can't either. So when we think of anti-inflammatory foods, I think of lots of color, things like fruits and vegetables and getting all the different hues. Like in the picture, we have some deep blues, we have greens, reds from lots of fruit and vegetable. When I think of fats, I think of really anti-inflammatory fats like salmon, maybe flax and chia seeds. And for beef, something like a grass-fed beef, which will be higher in anti-inflammatory um, fats. So as many, I always challenge people, how can you add one more fruit or one more vegetable in your meal a day? And don't forget breakfast, because we like to forget about how we can incorporate vegetables at breakfast, but that is a great place to start the day on a really healthy note. All right, so some lifestyle considerations as well. And you know, 
these seem really boring because they are the basics, but since they are the basics, you know, they, they are really the foundation for keeping us well. Uh, so we've all heard that stress can decrease our immune system and especially when we have that prolonged stress. And I think it's been a really challenging time for us to find ways that we can manage our stress because our world has been changed and maybe some of the things that we have used previously to manage our stress aren't available to us. So, you know, keeping everything in mind that we've talked about um, and some of these things on the list like movement, if you can get outside a little bit, maybe you're getting a little bit of vitamin D, you're moving your body a little bit, it can be almost like a walking meditation. Um, so I'm always trying to think of how we can combine things and use things that are free to our advantage. And uh, like uh, Linda was saying earlier, the weather has been pretty good recently. So hopefully, knock on wood, it'll keep um, staying really nice and we can go outside and uh, relieve stress in, in those ways as well. And Gary and I are also more than happy to uh, talk about some supplements and other resources as well for, for stress. Water is also really important. And if we think of water, we need water to communicate between our cells and support healthy cells. So that is also very important and something that we might need a little bit more of during the summer when we're outside and maybe sweating a little bit more. All right, and then here are some of our favorite products. So all of the products that I mentioned before, you can find on their own. Um, for example, you can just have vitamin C on your own or just the mushrooms on their own. But these are some of our favorite products that combine a few different ones. Um, so maybe you, if you are looking to decrease the amount of pills you're taking a day, some of these might be a good option um, and combined a lot of these different things. And we are also here, as Gary mentioned, to help you personal shop. And if you need any suggestions on which one might be a good option for you, uh, we can definitely help, help, help you do that. All right, and I think that's the end of my slides. All right, I... That was great. Oh, there you are, Gary. I, now I just need to stop sharing. Okay, and we're back. All right, so if anyone has any questions, feel free at the bottom of your screen, there's a chat box. A few questions have come in, and we've answered them. One question or a few questions about vitamin C came up, and Tamara, you answered most of them without even knowing the questions were there. So that was excellent. Um, somebody wanted to know, what does vitamin C do? It aids in the repair of the tissues. It decreases free radicals. It decreases oxidative stress. Free radicals are damaging internally and externally, and that stresses the adrenals and our immune system. It also helps support the innate and the adaptive immune system. So our background immune system and the part of the immune system that works specifically against a threat. Vitamin C is water soluble. So you don't want to take it all at once because if you take four or five grams at once, the majority of it within an hour or two is going to come out in the urine. You're better off spreading it out throughout the day. 
some recommendations from a lot of the docs and the hospitals have been 1,000 to 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C daily in divided doses, so even 1,000 three times a day. Um, they are using vitamin C IV in the hospitals for people who are very sick. So vitamin C, Linus Pauling was very smart and way ahead of his time. Vitamin C is very, very helpful. There was a question about the different types of C. A lot of ascorbic acid is made from corn, which has been genetically modified. So you have to look at where the sources of these vitamins. Um, there's Ester C was one of the questions. That's a buffered vitamin C. It's a non-acid C. When you start taking a lot of vitamin C, some people find it can be a little acidic in the stomach. So Ester C is good for that. We have a bunch of vitamin C in the store. We have basics, vitamin C and Ester C by Solgar. We have a buffered C in capsules and in powder by Orthomolecular. I believe we have um, Metagenics, I think, has a C. And oh, we have plenty of C. Okay. You want. <laughs> and in integrative therapeutics. At first, a lot of these products that Tamara was talking about, the delay in getting shipments was way down. We were sourcing in 24 hours a day, and we have good supplies in now. And feel free to contact any of us to get the right product for you. And whatever form you like, tablet, capsule, powder, it's available. If you're looking at vitamin D, it's gel cap and tablet and drops and with vitamin K, without vitamin K. So really, whatever you're looking for, I'll let us know. Somebody asked a question, which I don't know that much about. They wanted to know, is it safe to make kimchi at home? And so I said... I'm sure it is, and I gave out your email tomorrow, so we'll be getting some calls on that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Roberta, I see, asked, what about taking both pre- and probiotics, and how long to take them for? Um, do you want to feel that one, tomorrow? Sure. Yeah, so, you know, with the probiotics, I would definitely recommend taking them during this time, um, unless you're working with one of us and have a really specific... Uh, plan with uh, surrounding gut health. I think just taking a general probiotic can be really helpful. And for the prebiotics, the fiber, that kind of might depend on the person. If you feel like you need a little extra fiber in your diet, maybe to help with regularity, then maybe taking a some of the prebiotics may be helpful. Otherwise, making sure you're eating vegetables, things like garlic have a lot of pro. Uh, excuse me, prebiotics in them. So I would say it varies on the diet and then maybe what you're working on specifically. And uh, there was also a question about SIBO and gut dysbiosis. So if someone is having a specific gut, uh, gut health problem that they're working on, um, then maybe finding a more specific probiotic would be helpful because we don't want to add to any bloating or feelings of uncomfortableness if you do have something going on. And basically, a prebiotic is insoluble fiber. That's what the good bacteria live and feed on. So we want to make sure we're getting plenty. For 
I would like to think it doesn't always work out that way. If we're eating a real healthy diet of fresh fruits and vegetables and mixing it, you're getting plenty of prebiotics. So you just need to add the probiotics. But a lot of people don't eat enough of the insoluble fibers. And Katie asked a question about vitamin D. Now that summer's here and we're getting outside a little more, do we still need to take our vitamin D supplement? And I would say, yes, maybe you could lower the dose a little if your blood level is good, which is around 60, in the 60s. If you're getting some unprotected, a little unprotected sun, you could probably lower your level. But most of us are using sunscreen. We're wearing shirts and longer sleeves. We're not out at the beach baking in the sun. So we're not really generating as much vitamin D as we used to. So it's a good idea, I think, to continue when you go to your doctor and they're drawing blood, ask them to check your D level just to see where you are. Um, someone just asked if we check vitamin D levels and I think, uh, we, we can, but I think it's uh, usually more cost effective to go to your, your PCP. Right. Through your doctor that your all the insurance companies cover it. We can do it, but it, we have access to a lab, but it is out of pocket and why you're paying for insurance. You might as well use the insurance. Some doctors are still saying there's no need to check vitamin D. Everyone's fine. I would push. And at least once every year or two, have your vitamin D level checked. Somebody else asked, when's the best time to take, um, the best way to take a probiotic, with or without food, what time of day? And my thought, and, and feel free tomorrow to jump in, originally the thought was at bedtime because the transit time is slower, so the bacteria have longer to find their home in the gut and hold on. Problem I found taking it at bedtime is the majority of time people have all good intentions and they get into bed and then they say, darn, I didn't take my probiotic, I'll take it tomorrow. So you're missing doses. So even though you get better absorption, if you have zero going in, you have zero absorption. There was another study done where they, I don't know who would want to do this, but they, on a string, they put a little gadget down into the stomach and check the pH on an empty stomach because the acid, the um, very acidic environment can kill a lot of the bacteria. Then they had somebody eat and they put another one down and then pulled it out and they found the food buffers the acid. So even though you're producing a lot more acid when you eat, the pH of the stomach isn't as acidic when it's full of food. Now, what my mentor said years ago, if it's a good, a well-formulated probiotic, nature intended us to be eating and getting our probiotics from the food and the soil, which we're not now, but you didn't eat your food on an empty, you know, an empty stomach at bedtime. There's no way to do that. So I would say whatever works best for you to make sure you're getting it in would be the best time. And throw in your two cents tomorrow because there's a lot of different opinions on this. Well, I always love saying a supplement only works if you take it. So <laughs> I do agree with you about um, timing. Um, I know sometimes people, I'll have people put it on their bedside table if they want to take it at night. Um, and I think it sort of depends on 
on the one that you're taking. There might be specific directions on, on the bottle. I know some of the newer ones, they do recommend that you take it with your largest meal. So that's a consideration as well. Yeah. Um, someone mentioned that not all insurance like to cover vitamin D testing. And that's true with insurance the way it is. Every single plan will cover different things. And whether they're necessary or even life-sustaining, some insurance isn't covering, has a high copay. So you do need to check with your insurance company. Unfortunately, nothing is 100%. Yeah. The, my only last note on the vitamin D testing would be let us know what your levels are. Sometimes doctors have told clients or customers that their vitamin D levels are fine because they're not marked under the, the normal Under the level. 25. Right. But I mean, maybe it's only a few points above that or it's really on the low side and you might actually benefit from some supplement supplementation or getting a little of extra sun, even if your doctor uh, didn't flag it as being something of concern. And somebody wrote, which is very helpful, thank you. And I have my cell phone here. Um, she said a reminder to take her, um, was it the probiotic, to take her probiotic. Her phone beeps and reminds her to take it. And that's another thing we all have, almost all of us have smartphones. You can set a timer to remember to take your vitamins or whatever, which can be helpful. Um, let's see. Um, I think there was one question about liposomal vitamin C. Yes. To answer that, Gary. Okay, liposomal C, most things liposomal are absorbed a little, you get better blood levels with the same number of milligrams. Vitamin C, when COVID hit, there was a huge rush for liposomal vitamin C and it got wiped out of the supply chain. It's now available. It's much more expensive than vitamin C. And for the majority of people, a well-formulated vitamin C taken multiple times through the day, not all at once, is absorbed very well. If you have an absorption problem, liposomal could be more helpful. If you need really high levels, you're better off going to a, a doctor's office or a facility where they do IV vitamin C because to spend the time and the money taking large amounts of liposomal because you need huge amounts, getting an IV infusion of vitamin C will get you there within 20, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the infusion. But liposomal is better absorbed, but most people get good blood levels with a well-formulated C. All right, um, so keep the questions coming. I'm now gonna talk quickly about, not too quickly, but not too long, I promise. I'm gonna be talking about allergies. So just give me a minute to get this up and going. Gary and I are becoming technology wizards. And let me just close that and I'll close this. All right, so spring and summertime allergies are here. The spring was terrible. And one of the reasons the spring was so bad was that it was a very, interesting winter. It never really froze everything solid. So what would happen this spring, it went really warm, really cold, really warm, really cold. And 
that got a lot of things to bloom all at once. And since there wasn't a hard frost, a lot of the pollen levels were much higher. And since you had everything blooming all at once, we really got overwhelmed and it stressed our immune system. Um, we, there are about 50 million people in the US suffer from seasonal allergies. A lot of people say it can't be allergies. I've never had allergies before. But one thing to think about is almost everyone will have allergic symptoms if the pollen gets high enough for them. There's a threshold. Your body can deal with it up to a certain level. And when it goes over, your immune system goes into overdrive. So one of the problems is some people, their threshold, it only takes a little pollen. Other people, it takes an awful lot to get them to have a problem. But you can have allergies no matter who you are. Allergies can strike at any age, even if someone has never had seasonal allergy symptoms. Some common symptoms are red, watery eyes, itchiness of the eyes. The more you rub them, the hotter and redder they get. Same with the nose, a runny nose, a tickle in the throat. Chronic allergies can develop into bronchitis or asthma. Another thing we don't think about when histamine levels are high, and I'll be talking about that, that's one of the chemicals the body puts out to deal with allergies, that can affect the bowel and it can cause inflammation in the bowel. So you can have changes in the GI tract. When allergy symptoms are bad, someone can be tired during the day. It can interfere with sleep. You can't get into good REM sleep. So it's not just the red watery eyes or the runny nose or sneezing. It could even be that you, there's no reason you're not sleeping well or you're just exhausted. You are sleeping well, but you just can't get ahead of steam going. An allergy is an inappropriate response by the body's immune system to substances that are not normally harmful. That's why, especially with COVID and all of us being cooped up inside and not getting as much fresh air and exercise, which is very good for our immune system, this is why allergies for some people are even worse because our immune system has been stressed and it doesn't have the bandwidth to deal with all the pollens and allergens. Usually our immune system can distinguish between toxic foreign invaders and non-toxic ones, and thus selectively mobilize the white blood cells to fight off the chance of infection or to deal with the pollens or allergens. Allergic reactions occur when the immune system overreacts to an allergen and it releases chemicals into the bloodstream. And one of those chemicals is we're all familiar with is histamine. Histamine can cause inflammation of the skin, the nose, the throat. It can make you cough. It can cause mucus to build up in the lungs or even in the intestines. The airborne allergies we think of each spring usually result in watery eyes, runny nose, and itchy throat. And if we think about it, that's a normal healthy response to the allergen. If something goes into your respiratory system, your nose or your sinuses are down in the throat, the first thing you should do is try to expel it. And that's the runny nose, the mucus, the sneezing, your eyes water trying to flush the pollen out. When up until the last few days, a lot of us had probably felt like grit was in our eyes. That was the pollen from the pine trees and your eyes water trying to flush that out. 
the body starts producing more histamine and histamine causes the mucus to run, the blood to flow to the mucous membranes and they swell up. And it's a very healthy response up to a point until it starts affecting your daily life. And that's an over response. The downside of taking antihistamines are they block the receptor site and block histamine from binding with it. And the body is trying to help you, even though it's over responding. So the longer you block the histamine receptor, the body starts pumping out even more histamine. And that's why a lot of people say, geez, my allergy pill, my Zyrtec used to always work. It doesn't work anymore. I must be used to it. It's not that you're used to it. The body has blocked what we're trying to do. It puts out enough histamine to get into those receptors. So what we really need to do is calm the body's response, allow it to make histamine, but not to overmake it. Allergies are usually a secondary symptom to the inappropriate response by our immune system to something that's normally harmless. Pollen and those type of things shouldn't bother us. And most people it doesn't, but to the 50 million Americans that have bad seasonal allergies, that normal substance is a real big irritant and it causes our immune system to over respond. As Tamara talked about, some of the main things that she talked about for supporting the immune system and for a healthy gut, it's the same thing for dealing with allergies. Poor diet habits, dysbiosis, early weaning of infants, um, increased exposure to toxins, stress, whether it be stress from work or a situation, or even stress from relationships. That can be very toxic to the body. And this can cause the adrenals and the immune system to not be able to function properly, which can cause your allergic reaction to be worse. So the immune system controls how the body defends itself. For instance, if you have an allergy to a pollen, your immune system identifies the pollen as an invader or an allergen. When the allergen first enters the human body, the immune system reacts by producing IgE antibodies, which combine with the mast cells. And on this picture, the little thing on the, on the round blue circle, which is the mast cell, is the IgE antibody. Then when the pollen comes in, the allergen, it binds to that complex and the body releases histamine to deal with the antigen. So this is a real healthy response in that it makes you sneeze or the watery eyes or coughing or it makes your skin itch. When your skin itches, you're rubbing the pollen off just as long as it's not too much of an itch where you start tearing apart the skin. So this is a real healthy response if it's at the proper level. So the, when all these things bind together, the mast cell releases histamine. Histamine is a chemical irritant which irritates the tissue such as the mucosa or the throat or the nose, evoking an allergic reaction with the symptoms of coughing, sneezing, mucus production, and a runny nose. This helps our body flush the allergen or the pollen out. But what happens if this is 
at much too high a level and you're sneezing non-stop stop, and your nose gets plugged and you start having some wheezing, a mucus filling up the lungs, then it's not good. Now, allergic rhinitis could be seasonal a year round. The seasonal allergy, usually called hay fever because when they cut the hay, a lot of people had a problem, is usually spring, summer, and fall, and we get into ragweed in the fall. But a lot of people have allergy problems to dust mites and dust and a lot of the things in the house during the winter. So this could be a year-round problem for some people. I'm sure you've all seen eyes like this or had them. They're red, itchy, swollen, hot. The more you rub them, the hotter and the redder they get. If you wear contacts, your contacts are going to really irritate your eyes. This is the atopic dermatitis it can, it's itchy red bumps. It can be in clumps or dots. It can be in one area or all over the body. And this is, again, due to too much histamine from the allergen. Another type of allergy, which when it is different than seasonal allergy, is an allergy to foods. And a lot of the foods here, people could have an anaphylactic re reaction to. If they eat some peanuts, they have to be rushed to the hospital. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the seasonal allergies, the reactions that make you, make you feel really sick, but not where you have to run to the hospital. So some quick things you can do for allergies. A healthy diet. If you think of our body as a machine, it needs the right fuel. If you were going on a long ride and you want to have a full tank of gas for your car for the trip, you wouldn't fill it up with water. It's much cheaper than gas and easier to get, but you wouldn't do that because the it's not the right fuel for the engine and you damage it. Same thing with our body. If you don't eat the right foods and put the right octane fuel in, your body can't deal with things that it needs to and things will start breaking down. So a good diet, unprocessed foods, organic foods, raw fruit and vegetables, sipping plenty of good clean water, rest and a good deep sleep. When we get into REM sleep, which is the real relaxing sleep at night, that's when we recharge our adrenals, our body detoxes, we repair any damage that went on. So if you're not sleeping well, you're really not putting your body back together and getting ready for the next day. You wanna limit your exposure to allergens. That's sort of hard if you're outside, but even inside from dawn to dusk is when the pollen is the highest. So close the windows, even if the house gets a little warm or close them down, just leave them open a little bit. You, a lot of people will put a good filter in, their, in the rooms they're in, the bedroom and the living room, get an oversized HEPA filter. So that will at least grab a lot of the pollen that comes into the house. You wanna reduce stress. Stress stresses the adrenals. When the adrenals are stressed, the immune system goes down. And a couple of products that we've had excellent results with over the years, and I'll talk about them each a little bit, the Allergy New England Spray, the Nasal Spray by Natural Creations, R-Hist or D-Hist, and Histaminum, which is a homeopathic. Before we do that, neti pots, were very, very popular. Well, they have been for hundreds of years. They were very popular 
Then they went out of being popular. And now even a lot of mainstream doctors and clinics are recommending it. If you go out and work in the yard and you have seasonal allergies, when you come in, use a neti pot properly. Help rinse out the pollen that has gone into your nasal passages. Why make the body work extra hard at flushing that out? That can help lower your reactivity to the pollens and help you feel much, much better much sooner. So some of the products in the upper left, the New England Allergy Mix, this is a homeopathic blend of remedies. It's made from the majority of the pollens in New England that cause problems for us. It's one or two sprays in the mouth, nothing to eat or drink for about 10 minutes, three times a day. And it is excellent. It not only helps with the symptoms, but it helps the body respond more appropriately. So you, the best time to start it, of course, is a few weeks before the pollen starts. So usually that's mid-March. But it's never too late to start. It also is very helpful for the fall allergies and ragweed. And what most of our customers have found is if they used it this year, next year, their symptoms are even better. So they're using it less. A lot of people get down to, they just keep it in the house. And if they start having a problem, they'll take it and they can take it on and off. The next one is the allergy mold mix the Atlantic um, mold, that again, that's for the mold that we have up in New England. And a lot of people have mold allergies. And this is used the same way three times a day. It's a dropper. So it's 10 drops under the tongue three times a day. And that can help you with the reaction to mold. Mold usually is a fall issue. But one of the things we're finding now is that the spring was very, very damp and wet. So mold was very, very high this spring. Now, R-Hist and D-Hist. R-Hist is a newer formula. It has, um, Tamara talked about NAC. NAC, in addition to what she talked about, it also helps thin mucus. And so it helps you be able to get the mucus out of the clogged sinus cavities and out of the lungs. It has quercetin in there. Quercetin is very good at helping stabilize the mast cells so they can release histamine, but they don't over-release it. It has bromelain in there, which is very good for the inflammation that occurs with allergic reactions. So D-hist and R-hist are taken two capsules three times a day, usually for a week or 10 days till your symptoms are getting better. And then you can adjust the dose depending upon how you're doing. The main difference between dehist and arhist, arhist also has some licorice in there, not enough to worry about raising blood pressure, but licorice is very soothing for the GI tract. And when histamine's high, it can really irritate the GI tract. On the right side, the histaminum 30C, those are little pellets that go under your tongue. It would be four or five pellets even every 15 minutes if you need it. If you are having a bad allergy, your eyes are all irritated or you're really sneezing or the skin is real itchy, usually one or two doses, 15 minutes apart, calm it down. It helps the body respond more appropriately to the histamine. None of these block the histamine receptor. 
In the lower left, the dehis junior. A lot of young kids are having problems. That's a delicious chewable tablet. And doses one tablet three times a day for the little kids. And they can also use the histaminum. Um, the nice thing about the all of these products is from little kids can use the allergy New England mix right up and all of these right up through senior citizens. They don't interfere with medications and they don't make you drowsy, which is one of the big problems with antihistamines. In the right hand corner, the optique um, drops, those are in unit doses. It's preservative free and those drops are wonderful. A drop or two in each eye you'll notice usually within a minute, those red hot eyes get much, much better. And I forgot, I apologize to put a picture. There's another one called Simulacin Eye Drops and they have an allergy eye drop, which is excellent too. They both work great and they can be used with contact lenses. You don't have to worry about that. And then the nasal spray, this is not like Flonase or Afrin. This is working. It's a homeopathic spray. It's a spray or two in each side of the nose up to six times a day. It has some of the histaminum 30C in it. It has about eight other remedies. And what this does is it helps soothe the tissue in the sinus cavities. It penetrates deep. It also helps calm down the histamine level in the whole body and helps cool down everything. So one of the problems we have with allergies is a lot of people start getting sinus headaches or congestion. And the reason for that is the body has blood flow increase to the mucous membranes and it increases the mucus flow to try to flush out the pollens. And one of the problems is once the swelling gets too high, the mucus can't flow down. So you start building up that pressure. This is very, very good. There's no rebound like with most nasal sprays. When you stop using it, everything swells up again. It's safe for little kids right through senior citizens. It won't raise your blood pressure. So this is something very good to have around, not just for seasonal allergies, but for any time this sinus congestion. And um, feel free, and we'll open it up for questions in a second, to contact the store. You all, I hope, know our number. It's 893-3870. Tamara is at extension 104, and I'm at 111. And if you leave a message, one of us will get back to you shortly. Feel free to contact us, ask us questions. Tamara's email is tamara at naturalcompounder.com. I'm Gary at Natural Compounder. And we are, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're doing virtual consults. And you can look, we both have our schedules online so you can look at what's available and what's good for you and book it at calendly.com forward slash either Tamara Luck or Dr. Gary K. And with that, I'll stop sharing my screen. And welcome back, everybody. And if anyone has a, a question, you know, feel free. We can unmute everyone. Um, just, I, let me see where that is. Let me get my listing up of everyone. And if anyone would like to say anything, yeah, I just want to say too with the consults, um, you know, Gary and I and the whole 
Oops. Are you sorry, sorry, I hit the wrong button. Go ahead. Um, well, I was saying we like to get into in depth and um, you know figure out root cause of things going on. But if you also just want something a little bit more simple um, and looking to get a personalized recommendation for what to do for allergies or immune health, we can do that um, as well. We could always do a, a half hour, an hour for that. All right, and. Let's see. Does anyone have any questions? Um, I think we had one about an old bottle of natural creations and that there's no expiration date on those, right? Maybe. The, the, if it's one of the liquids, right. there's no, it doesn't go bad, but what can happen is eventually the liquid could start evaporating and dry out, or if it's a dropper bottle, the dropper itself could start breaking down. But as long as the liquid is clear, it it's good. Um, the FDA says the maximum on anything oral is five years. Homeopaths have remedies that are 50 and 100 years old, and they're still using them. So as long as it's stored properly, there's no problem. Yeah. Um, and we had a question also about yeast and candida in the body. Um, so sometimes with um, yeast and candida, it's just about um, finding a, a specific uh, probiotic, maybe uh, Saccharomyces boulardii, that's uh, a specific strain um, versus um, just a, a general probiotic um, that can, can sometimes help. And yeah, then, um, I'm oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. You can go, Mary. Um, Saccharomyces is, I think, one of the most underrated products out there. It is wonderful. It goes after candida. It weakens candida. It can be taken with or without food. It can be taken with antibiotics. You don't have to space it out. It helps change the environment back to what the good bacteria like and the bad bacteria doesn't like. And now a lot of the companies are putting it in with the probiotics. I know the Enterobiotic, the SBO, and the SIGC for the last 20 years has had Saccharomyces boulardii in it. They were way ahead of their time. Yeah. It's a wonderful probiotic. Yeah, and um, I th a lot, uh, some of you know Gary and I uh, can run stool comprehensive stool testing for gut health and um, there's a lot of things that I would use those, some of those uh, targeted probiotics for based off of that test. So um, already definitely a good one for candida. And I apologize. I thought I had a control to unmute everyone, but if anyone does have a question, I think you can now unmute yourself and ask the question. So if anyone does, um, I hope this is, has been helpful and that it was enjoyable. And please contact Tamara or, or myself, Tamara at Natural Compounder or Gary at Natural Compounder, and let us know if you would like to see more of these, what topics. Um, I already have the poll, so we have an idea of day and time. And we hope to, until things open up so we can get back to having things at the store, we hope to have these on a regular basis. Yeah, if anyone has any specific topics that they'd like to know more about, um, can definitely uh, let us know. And thank you all very much for joining us tonight. It was great seeing you all. And thank you. It was excellent. Thank you. The unmuting's working. Good. Thank, thank you, Linda. For... <laughs> yes, thank you. It was wonderful. Oh.
No, you're welcome, Roberta. Thank you. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye-bye. <laughs>